So this is uh, our penultimate uh, message in our relevant series. So we started back in January. We are going to finish next Sunday, December the 10th, with the book of Revelation. Uh, And so right now we're in this period where we're looking at uh, different authors of the New Testament letters. And today we're looking at Peter and what he wrote in 1 Peter. So if you brought your Bible, open up to 1 Peter. We'll be in 1 Peter all morning this morning, and uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you uh, just for the worship, uh, the humor of the uh, Around the Ridge. Uh, thank you for Jay and his... And Jay, I mean, what can you say, Lord? You have made him unique and absolutely awesome, and I'm thankful for him as a brother and friend. And uh, God, we pray as we look into your word this morning that you would show us, that you would teach us, um, and that you would speak deep into our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, my dad has a practice. Uh, Every year at Christmas time, he will give everybody in the whole family, no matter what age, height, all that kind of stuff, he gives everybody the same present, right? And if you think about that, giving one present, right, everybody gets a present, but one present that's the same for everybody, that's a little bit difficult. And so sometimes he hits a home run and sometimes he doesn't. So I'm actually, so the jacket I'm wearing this morning, if you want to see this, so this is uh, the jacket that he gave everybody about, I think it was two years ago or so, I think it was 2021. Uh, But You can't really see it from where you are, but I'll I'll take it around afterwards if you want. But like there's there's a little family kind of, this is our sort of family logo. It's a windmill taken from a windmill in Germany that sort of named, that we're named after that town in Germany. Anyway, but he gave this. So that's one of the things. Um, This this tradition has gone back a long time. So if you check out this picture, uh, this is our family from last year. Uh, and so all of us got these hoodies, uh, zip-up hoodies, uh, and this was one of those that was sort of like, it kind of works until you get blaze orange as your color. And it's like, okay, I can leave here and go work road crew on the side of the highway and not get hit. Uh, I think we got another picture. We'll see what comes up next. Uh, so this is one of the early ones. So we all got orange uh, fleeces, which that was actually kind of a neat color orange uh, and different kind of styles, but all these orange fleeces. So that was a good one. Uh, and then sometimes, next picture, uh, it doesn't always work out so well. <laughs> so dad decides, my dad says, everybody's getting boxer shorts this year. <laughs> and so I still have my boxer shorts. Most people don't. But anyway, it's just an interesting thing that my dad uh, does. And sometimes, like some years it's really awesome. And the years that it's bad, my mom, bless her soul, uh, she will walk around quietly after my dad distributes them and goes, here's a return address label. Here's a return address label. Here's a return address label. So anyway, it's kind of fun. Now, I I bring this up uh, just as a sort of this is not a Christmas message, so I had to use the word Christmas in it somewhere. Um, but here's the thing, is I want you to think about this question. Okay, so he be, buys one present for everybody, okay? If you could pray one prayer, just one prayer, for everybody at River Ridge Church, what would that prayer be? Okay, think about that for a second. That's kind of a tough question, right? If, if you have to pray the same prayer for everybody who calls River Ridge Church home, what would that prayer be? 
Okay? Now, I've had a, a little time to think about that this week, and, and First Peter kind of helped me to get to this. Um, but this is, what, this is what my prayer for every, if I could only pick one prayer, and it had to be for everyone, this is what my prayer would be. My prayer would be that every person at River Ridge would take responsibility for their own spiritual growth. Right? That would be my prayer. Yours, again, yours may be different. There, we're going to see parts of this in First Peter, but that is my prayer, that each person would take responsibility for their own spiritual growth. Okay? Now, if you take out your sermon outline, uh, we're going to fill in some blanks with the big idea at the front, right? And you can probably figure out what the first blank is. So the first part is, I am responsible for my spiritual growth. Okay? I'm responsible for my spiritual growth. And in a little while, we're going to look at, you know, how do we take responsibility? But it says, because. I'm responsible for my spiritual growth because it doesn't just happen. I think sometimes there's a myth or a, 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 something that kind of that we buy into that we think, you know, spiritual growth just happens. Like if I just come hang around church enough, then I will grow spiritually. I was talking to Dylan the other day, and uh, Dylan is our student ministry director. He's taking pictures today. He does social media. He does a whole bunch. He takes the videos, edits the videos. He does a whole bunch here at River Church. Um, but I was talking to Dylan. He also plays drums from time to time. But I was talking to Dylan, and, and he said, hey, Matt, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been knocking off about an hour early on Wednesdays. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's fine. You knock off. I mean, you, do, you put in a lot of time and all that kind of stuff. You know, that, that's great. I said, but what do you... What are you doing when you knock off early on, on Wednesdays? He said, well, I've been going um, to plan for my financial future, right? I'm going to take care of my financial future with this hour that I'm spending on Wednesdays. I'm like, okay, that, that sounds good because you buy like really expensive coffee and you have a subscription to everything. So w- that's, that's good. You need to provide for your financial future. I said, what are you doing? Just out of curiosity. He said, well, I'm going down uh, to a building downtown to Laidley Tower and in Laidley Tower, there's a lot of stockbrokers that, you know, work on the various floors. And so I'm, I'm sitting in the lobby of this to take care of my financial future. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds like a good start. What are you doing there? He goes, well, I just, I sit in the lobby and I, and I sip coffee and I, and I wave to people. I'm like, well, do you talk to any of the stockbrokers? Mm, not really, no. Well, do you read like the periodicals that are down there? No, not really. I said, well, have you invested any money to plan for your financial future? no. Not at all. I'm like, well, Dylan, this isn't doing real good planning for your financial future if you just sit there for an hour and, and don't do anything, right? Okay, that is a totally fabricated story, in case you're wondering. <laughs> As we're getting into that, you're like, really? Who would do that? Um, but here's the thing. It is, is that's a fabricated story, but it speaks to what we're talking about, right? If the only thing that you do to invest in your spiritual growth is show up for an hour on Sunday and don't do anything with what happens, then there's not going to be much spiritual growth, if any, right? Spiritual growth doesn't just happen by being around. It takes intentionality. Let me finish this off. I'm responsible for my spiritual growth because it doesn't just happen, and my blank is not responsible for it. The word blank is, is gonna, it's blank. It's, I'm not going to give you the word to go in there because my blank is not responsible for it. So in other words, what we do is we think that somebody else is responsible 
for our spiritual growth. And my point is, the big idea is you are responsible. It's not my pastor. It's not my wife. It's not my parents. It's not my anything. You are responsible for your spiritual growth, right? It's not somebody else's responsibility. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read through different parts of First Peter, and we're going to see how this fits and draw some truths out of this about what does this look like. So First Peter begins this way in verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit. So this tells us who the letter of 1 Peter is written to. It's written to the elect exiles, okay? And so what happens, so elect means it's written to Christians. Exiles, it means it's written to people who have been dispersed. So at one point, all the Christians lived in Jerusalem, but then there was a major persecution that broke out. And so they went to live in these other places for their own safety, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, so forth, the list that is there. And it says in this, it says, according to the foreknowledge of the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit. Okay? Now, sanctification is, is kind of a big Bible, a bit more of a religious word, but sanctification basically means spiritual growth. Those are synonyms. So, we look at this in verse 9, okay? I'm in chapter 1, verse 9, and it says this. It says, You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Okay, so keep sanctification in mind, right? Spiritual growth. And then it says, um, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, if you have been with us um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot how we get right with God. We don't earn our salvation. But we look at this verse, and it says, obtaining the salvation of your souls. And you may look at that and go, well, how does that work? We don't obtain the salvation of our souls. We don't do anything. It is God who saves us, right? And so, well, how does that work? Great question. So I want to give you a, just a brief like theology 101 here and explain something. And this will help you as you read the Bible, but it'll also help us as we understand sanctification. So hang on with me. Follow this. Write this down if you want to, okay? So I'm going to give you a diagram uh, or kind of a word picture here that I drew up of salvation, justification, sanctification, and glorification. So when the Bible uses the word salvation, okay, that word has multiple meanings within it. So salvation, sometimes it's referring to kind of this whole process that God takes us through. Sometimes salvation is referring to justification. And so justification is when you became a Christian, right? That is that, that moment in time. Some easy way to remember it is just as if I'd never sinned. That's justification, okay? And then the next part is sanctification, okay? So this is all under salvation, justification and sanctification. That's what we're talking about today. That's what Peter mentions in the very first, or actually I guess it's the second verse of this uh, letter that he's written. But sanctification is spiritual growth, okay? And there's a lot of different ways that we put this same idea. We can say becoming more like Christ, Christian maturity, 
Christ being formed in me, sanctification, becoming more holy, becoming more righteous. All of those are part of what sanctification is, which is what we're talking about this morning. And then that last part, glorification, that's what happens when we go to heaven. We become perfected. We become without sin. So salvation is this big word that has nuances of meaning of justification, sanctification,